He is risen. We can do better than that. He is risen. All right, that's more like it. I love it. <laughs> okay. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Oh Lord, our God, how awesome you are. We stand before you in awe of your power and your might and your control over the universe. Heavenly Father, we are so insignificant before you and how immense you must be and how tiny we are. Your justice demands payment for our sins and your Son came down from his exalted seat in heaven to become the perfect Lamb of God. And it's by his sacrifice, a sacrifice so great, it even overcomes the blackness of our sin and even death. Heavenly Father, we are undeserving of your kindness and generosity and your love. Your love is greater than all the heavens. Lord, we are so undeserving. And we are overwhelmed and overcome by the kindness of your love. Heavenly Father, we are so lost without you. Our sin and our failure weigh us down and drag us back. And we forget to look at you. Lord, come this morning and be with us. Remind us so that we do not fall short. Let us not follow after our own hearts, but to you and you only to open our minds and our hearts. Lord Jesus, let us look to you for our salvation for your great sacrifice and how your Father raised you up, defeating even death. Heavenly Father, give us wisdom to heed the words of your prophets and the apostles and to understand them. Give us discernment, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, Easter Sunday, 2021. I love it. How amazing for all of us to be here today. Just a reminder, we are about a quarter of a w our way through Isaiah. I want you to think about that, number one. Number two, Easter next year is about when we will finish up in Isaiah. But I am so loving Isaiah. It's just so amazing. I mean, that passage that Riley just read this morning, and then us doing the song, using those exact same words. I love that. Isaiah is just so incredible. So today, I want to pose two primary questions to you. First, why was it that Jesus had to die to begin with? What is the fundamental issue here that God was trying to solve? And second, what were Jesus' last instructions to us? before he send, ascended back to heaven. What are we supposed to be doing now? So let's take a look. So we're going to go all the way back to Genesis 1.27. Genesis 1.27. And here, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This verse is why murder is wrong. 
because people are created in the image of God, and to destroy the image of God is against God's law. In Genesis 2-7, just after this, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So here we have God creating us in his own image, and we are formed from the dust of the ground. Dust is mostly silica, a very common element in the universe. Another element of the universe, something that is somewhat uncommon, is iron. Iron bonds with oxygen exceptionally well. As a carrier of oxygen, iron is outstanding. The reason our blood is red is because the iron in our blood rusts. That's why we have to have iron. The red of our blood is rust. Our heart pumps our blood to our lungs, and the blood absorbs the oxygen. And the blood carries the oxygen to our brain and to our organs and to our muscles. And the cells of our body are fed both sugar and oxygen. And the sugar and the oxygen form together with the heat of our bodies, and it actually burns. And it becomes these waste products that we have, CO2, which is carried away in our blood to our lungs, and we exhale the CO2. The blood carries the oxygen. The life is in the blood. A doctor pronounces death when our hearts stop beating. We get about two and a half billion heartbeats. That's almost exactly 80 years worth. Some people are overachievers, right? They get three billion heartbeats. That's 95 years. The beating heart is the life. Genesis 2, 15 to 17. Genesis 2, 15 to 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So shortly after this, Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Genesis 3, 1 through 6. And we call this passage the fall. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die. For the God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. We call this the fall. It's a fundamental human condition. We are all selfish. We think of ourselves first. We do not stop to consider what God would do. We do not consider God's motives or actions. We, the human race, disobey God. We go our own way. 
And each of us individually are still daily disobeying God. So the question is, what is the penalty for direct disobedience of God? And we all know the answer to this. Proverbs 14.12. Proverbs 14.12. An Old Testament passage. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And of course, Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here you can see that we are condemned to die for our disobedience to God. Yet all throughout the Old Testament, there is a thread that tells of God's servant who will pay the price. God brings salvation to us. And it is promised all throughout the Old Testament. Psalm 22, 16 to 18. Psalm 22, 16 to 18. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. This is David that is saying this. And these words we immediately think of Jesus on the cross because of they have pierced my hands and feet and they divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. Isaiah 25, 8 and 9. Isaiah 25, 8 and 9. Talking about God's servant once again. He will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Of course, we all know how many times Isaiah speaks of the servant of God. Further on in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, 9 through 12. Isaiah 53, 9 through 12. And this is a middle passage and a very long passage about the servant of God and what he does for us. Isaiah 53, 9 through 12. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and he makes intercession for the transgressors. 
This is Christ. And further, God promises his servant that he will not see corruption or decay. Psalm 1610, once again, David. Psalm 1610. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. So immediately you think, how can only one man pay for the sins of all of God's people? One man can only pay for his own sin. So how can only one man, even a perfect man, pay for the sins of all of God's people? The gulf between us and God is infinite. Our sin makes it so. There is absolutely nothing that we can do to save ourselves. Only God is infinite. Only God can bridge the gap between where we are and where God is. So God sends his only son down to earth to live a life of example to us and to pay for our sins. And having paid for all the sins, past, present, and future, of all of God's people, the Father raises Jesus up to sit at his right hand in heaven. And so today's passage, Luke 24, 1 through 12. Luke 24, 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed by this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee? that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping, and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Christ Jesus is risen from the dead. He is not with the dead, he is with the living. Jesus appears before them and many other disciples in the days following. But shortly, Jesus has to ascend to heaven. In Luke 24, 45 through 48. Luke 24, 45 through 48. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. So God the Father raises Jesus up to sit at his right hand. 
to reign in heaven. What were Jesus' last commands before he ascended to heaven? I have to tell you a short, funny story here. I got a text message from one of my interns, former intern, a kid named Jesse Brady, yesterday. And Jesse and I talked about this passage for about an hour and a half. Just what was going on here as Jesus ascends to heaven. And we talked about Paul wanting to go to Spain and why Paul wanted to go to Spain and how, Spain, and, and how Paul, I believe, slightly misunderstood what Jesus was telling him to do. And I would have gone to Spain with Paul thinking the exact same thing. So here in Acts 1, 6 through 11, Acts 1, 6 through 11, this is Luke again. This is the second book written by Luke. And he's writing of the ascension of Jesus. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You can tell the disciples, they're still thinking about the kingdom, Israel. When are you going to restore Israel? Kick all these Romans out. They're still thinking the here and now. They're not thinking the big picture. What is the big problem between us and God? It's not that the Romans have invaded Israel. It's the sin between us and God is the problem. And they completely misperceive that. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. To the ends of the earth. That verse right there, this is what it sounds like in Greek. Kai esthemu maturus en te Jerusalem. Kai en pasa de Iudea, kai Samaria, kai us extu tes Gaius. That last part is the ends of the earth. Literally, it's the end of the dirt. I love that. Luke 24, 50 to 53. Luke 24, 50 to 53. Luke records again the ascension. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. And finally, in Acts 1, 9 through 11, Acts 1, 9 through 11. And once again, the disciples are left doing the wrong things. And again, I would be one of those people doing exactly the same thing those guys are doing. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. 
And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And the men said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taking up from you into heaven will come the same way as you saw him go into heaven. I feel like exactly like those disciples. Jesus is gone. And we have all of his instructions to follow. And I'm still standing here looking stupidly up into the sky wondering, now what? We have work to do. He is risen indeed. This is the end of our passage. Behind all of this, all of the Old Testament is the promise that God will be there in the end. That God is the only one who can save. And it's only in the New Testament that we discover how beautiful God's solution to the problem is. That he sends his only son. And Jesus is there calling to us. Jesus had to pay for our rebellion against God, our sin, and our unfaithfulness, our disobedience. Jesus is the one who takes our guilt away and who atones for our, our, our sin with his death by his death on a cross. All of the Bible is telling us, don't look back to the world. Look at Jesus. Jesus' teachings tell us to be more like him, and we become more Christ-like continually by looking to God. And the more we look towards Jesus, the more we become like him, and we become the servants of God. We are God's people. God loves us all. Every day I look at the chaos going on in the world. How this message tells us to not look back at the world we live in now. And I think of how I fail God every day because of I'm looking at the wrong things. I'm looking back at the world. God knows I'm not there yet. And again and again I am on my knees before God asking for his forgiveness again. Despite all of our failures, God still chooses us. God, our Father. God's greatness will be there on that last day when Jesus comes back again. And we will all witness his greatness and his power and his love and his beauty and his splendor on that day. Let's pray. Almighty God, Lord, you are so immense and we are so incredibly insignificant. Heavenly Father, you've kept your words spoken to us by the prophets and the apostles and handed them down through all these years for us to have, down through the ages, and you have given them to us. Heavenly Father, we have been unfaithful. We keep trying to save ourselves and we look to the world. You keep telling us to hear you in Jesus' words. You continue to hold us in the palm of your hand and protect us. And you lovingly guide us and care for us. Heavenly Father, hide your word in our hearts. We read the words of your disciples and your apostles. Write your word deep down inside of us. 
Give us the lessons we must learn from you, only from you, and guide us in your perfect path. Your plan of redemption is so beautiful and so perfect. Let us not try to smooth out your rock. Jesus, you died in our place to redeem us, to save us. You are so amazing. We love you, Lord. We bless you and honor you. We praise the name above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen.